But here's the basics. Numbers don't lie. So when you have data models that are showing clear trends and you're talking about it very, um, in a very impersonal way, you're not, you're not, you know, being nasty to anybody. Here's the numbers. Here's what's happening. Can you explain this to me? How are we going to change this? So they are going to give an expl explanation for it and say, well, this is, this is a trend that we, don't, that we don't want to continue down this way. So how, are we, how is this going to change? We don't want like this trend that's happening. So tell, let's talk about what we're going to do about it. So I, I believe the numbers give you the, the material you need to have honest discussions with your property manager and to steer the ship. Have you ever looked in the mirror and thought you'd be further along financially by now? If so, you're not alone. Many people find themselves wanting to ditch their nine to five, wishing they had more time with their family. What most people want is to simply live the life that they choose and with plenty of money to do so. The good news is you can live an abundant life through apartment investing. Mark and Tamil Kenny with Think Multifamily help you take back the time and freedom so that you can live free from the stresses that burden so many. Through multifamily investing, they teach you how to set your family up for a lifetime of true success and fulfillment. They have helped hundreds of people just like you. Patrick, for example, who since working with Think Multifamily has purchased over 900 units with another 850 under contract, and at 27 years old, was able to quit his demanding job in corporate America. Regardless of your age or profession, Think Multifamily can help you create the life of your dreams. As hosts of the new Think Multifamily podcast, Mark and Tamil will walk you through the journey step-by-step step to make sure you are completely set up for success. Through this interview-style podcast, you will gain a proven strategic apartment investing system and hear stories from successful investors all to help you be light years ahead of those who try to do it alone. Subscribe to the Think Multifamily podcast today at thinkmultifamily.com forward slash podcast. It's time for the Creative Real Estate Podcast, your source for out-of-the-box real estate investing strategies brought to you by realbluespruce.com. Welcome back to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam, AAA Adams, and today I'm, I'm thrilled because I'm joined with Anna Myers, who um, is one of the three amazing <laughs> blonde hair, blue eyes, Annas and Annas that are out there. I think it's Anna Simpson, Anna Kelly, and, and of course, Anna Myers. Uh, amazing. I've actually been trying to get Anna on the show for a long time. In fact, um, right before one of my conferences, I had to cancel because I got stressed out and I was like, I got to focus on this. Do you mind if I, and she was totally cool about it. And then I did it to her again, unfortunately, <laughs> right before the Raising Money Summit. And uh, I, I really apologize. And I'm glad you're on the show now. If oh, you so recognize, thank you. And if you recognize Anna's name, Anna Myers, she is actually partnered with Grow Capitus. So she is the VP and the lead underwriter at Grow Capitus. You probably uh, recognize that name, Grow Capitus and Multifamily U. Um, that's because Neil Bawa, her partner, has been on the show a couple of times. In fact, I know for a fact it's it's episode 242, which is my most listened to episode wow. of all time, almost by triple. 
That's amazing. Any, uh, yeah, almost like triple from <laughs> any other episode. Um, and my one of my probably my second most listened to episode is two ninety nine or three hundred. I can't remember which one it is, but it was right there at the peak. Mm-hmm. Um, I brought Neil back, and people love learning from Multifamily You and Grow yeah. Capitalist because they're doing it right. Just to give you a, an illustration of what I mean by they're doing it right. And we're not talking about raising money today, but holy cow, Grow Capitus raised in private money without the help of any money raisers or anything, $35 million in 2019. That's not like a collective, they finally got to 35. Just in that one year, they raised $35 million. It's incredible. No other team has done what they've done. And so I wanted to bring Anna on the show your third time's a charm, right, Anna? Third time's a charm. Here I am. <laughs> Give us a bit of, of your background as it um, relates to what we're going to be talking today. Okay. And that's going to be asset management, something that I feel gets really neglected on a lot of podcasts. A lot of Absolutely. people are talking about finding a deal or raising the money. And you can do those, but if you don't manage the asset appropriately, you will lose your money and your investors' money. And that's why we have Anna Myers on the show right now. So Anna, tell us a bit about your background and then we will hop into the questions. Um, sure. So, so uh, my background is actually, my, my family's background is in commercial real estate. Uh, my grandfather was a commercial real estate actor, maverick in uh, Los Angeles. Um, and so I grew up as the youngest grandchild. Kind of, that was the fabric of my life. Uh, he had a commercial real estate office. We had you know, shopping malls and all these kinds of things that he had developed. And my dad's an architect. Um, my, all my cousins, my, my siblings, they all worked in this field, but I was the youngest and of course the rebel. So, um, I didn't do that. Um, I actually went in, I was going to be an artist by the way. Um, but I, uh, had a child very young. I had, I was a teenager and I had a child. And so I became a programmer. Um, I'm a great problem solver and I really love, you know, puzzles and that type of stuff. I became a programmer so that I could, uh, make money and uh, make a good hourly wage and raise my daughter. I was a single parent and a single teenage parent. So that uh, got me into the tech industry. And um, I actually really loved it. So I was a programmer for many years, assist, became a systems architect. Um, and that gave me a lot of business savvy. Um, I love systems and processes, modeling, um, all those types of things. Um, and then actually the tech industry crashed about 2000, uh, well, 2000, 1999, 2000. And what did I do? I did what, and my husband, I, at that point I was married. My husband was also in IT. I did what anybody would have done at that time when the tech industry crashed and I was like high up in the tech industry. I uh, started a photography business. So I was a photographer for 18 years. I had my own business and um, crushed that, but then realized that there was no end game for photography. There's no retirement. I basically owned a job. So from there, I determined that I needed to go back to my family roots of real estate, that that was the real way to scale your life. And then I started actively educating myself through obviously sites like Bigger Pockets, listen to tons of podcasts. So it's amazing to actually be on podcasts now, given all of the, the time I spent investing and in learning. Um, and then part of that learning was actually taking a boot camp from Neil Bawa. That's where I met him. And we became in, um, involved at that point. I started volunteering for him as an underwriter because of my financial um, programming abilities. I was able to pick up underwriting very quickly. Um, and so I started scaling into the company and pretty soon we were acquiring properties 
And I started working in, on the asset management side because once you acquire something, as you said, uh, you have to uh, operate it. You've got to, you can't just leave it up to the property manager. Um, so I developed my skills in asset management, my, my direct skills in asset management on the playing field. But I was utilizing all of the skills that I had developed in my life. Um, and those skills, obviously, from the, you know, the, the programming and modeling, which we use a lot of models that we've created, but also the people skills. Um, there's a lot of people skills in property management. And uh, those, I think, I really cultivated really well as a photographer. Um, for, for so many years, you have to really read people well and become very invested in people. And that is important from an asset management side. Um, we are responsible as syndicators. We are responsible to our investors and I think that that gets played too much almost. I, as an asset manager, want to always keep in mind my tenants as well. So there's two people that we are serving, our tenants and our investors. And as an asset manager, you're responsible for implementing the business plan along with your property manager. And your property manager is just gangbusters busy. I mean, they're just busy, busy, busy. So you've got to focus them as an asset manager. You've got to keep them focused on what the business plan is and then you also have to um, be looking at that business plan and know when to pivot because your business plan is your business plan, but the reality of the market, the reality of what's happening to your property is in the numbers, the models that you give your property manager, and we'll talk about that in a minute, those models tell, give you the information that you need so that you uh, and your partners, because it's a team sport, remember, team sport asset management, you and your partners can make good decisions about what, whether you're going to stay on the, the existing plan or pivot some um, degree and focus on something else. I love it. I'm taking a lot of notes um, from you right I love now. It. I'm, I'm a note taker too, Adam. People and, uh, and numbers. Okay, so what's interesting is <clears throat> I would say that there's, there's a lot of people out there. Some of them are really good with people. Some are good with numbers. And ultimately, you've got to be able to have both if you're going to be a great asset manager because, as you stated, some people, they focus on their investors, and they ne but they happen to neglect the residents, the tenants right. that live there. That's and right. if, if you do that, if you don't know that this is a people business and you've, you've got it's not just numbers on a paper, but it's relationships, it's, it's cultivating a community mm -hmm. and things like that. That's really what it, I think one of the big things that it will take to be a great asset manager. Obviously, you can't neglect the numbers in any way, but if you neglect the people, then you've lost your community and right. you won't be a good asset manager. You'll be a good recorder of the numbers, but you won't be able to really develop what it takes to have a wonderful communities that's thriving and, and, and likes to stay and enjoys being where they are right. because you've lost that part. So I love that. Okay. One of the, th so when you said I got you quoted and uh, I think we'll keep this quote for you for a long time, uh, Two people we're serving, our tenants and our investors. So remember that uh, if you're listening right now, just remember that. If you're thinking about getting into syndication, thinking about getting into asset management, remember what Anna just said. There's two people that you're serving, your tenant and your investor. And, um, and we call them residents in many, yeah, you know. Residents. Like, like, but if I said your, your residents and your 
uh, sometimes it could get misunderstood in the context of that sentence. Yeah. So, but w- when we're talking in the property management and we're actually interacting and uh, communicating with them, we don't tend to use that word. I agree. Um, I used it in this context to yep. for clarity. No, I completely, I completely agree. I, I we also uh, speak about residents as residents. I think that there is a big difference. We even we stopped talking about buying apartment buildings. We mm-hmm. don't buy buildings. We buy communities. We buy That's apartment right. communities, right? So, That's- so yeah, it's it's not just euphemisms. And, 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 and it ends there. It's like, actually, this is the way we need to all be thinking about it is you're buying a community. You're buying a living, breathing, thriving, changing community, not just a building. If you want to go and buy a building, go ahead and buy a building. But that's not what we're buying. We're literally buying the community that it has residents. It might not be thriving, but it does have a pulse. And there the, you objective, go. the objective is to get it to be thriving, right? Absolutely. So you mentioned that we were going to talk a little bit about the models that you uh, communicate with the property management company. You're, you're the asset manager and you're talking with the property manager. Okay. Um, so give, me, uh, give us, the listener, a little bit about that, that relationship between property manager, asset manager, what's the difference, who does what, and then we'll talk about the models. Okay. All right. So the, the property manager are, uh, now we're, by, by the way, we're, we're talking about buildings that are large enough that we have full-time dedicated property managers. So we have a full-time leasing agent, we typically, uh, have a full-time maintenance person, and then beyond that, we might have, uh, depending on the size of the community, you might have a, a, an extra half or an extra whole person in, in various roles. And then there's a regional property manager typically as well, and their job is, is they, are, they are over several properties um, but you have your local or your resident um, property manager that's on site, you know, full time. Um, so the property manager takes care of showing the property when there's vacancy. They also take care of uh, taking the the applications, which be- become leases, um, and uh, you know, vetting the tenants to make sure that they meet the qualifications. They take care of the move in and move out. The the repair people on site, of course, are taking care of the turnover. So whether you're turning over a classic unit and, and um, just doing kind of paint and, and, uh, and punch work, or whether you're renovating the unit. Now, some, some people have their local team, their local repair, that the R&M team does the, the renovations, and some people bring in outside people. It, it, the, different communities are different. So, um, but you've got the renovation people. So your property manager does a lot of things, and they're really busy. And they are responsible to us to deliver the numbers. They, they keep the books. So, so the, yes, there's a CPA and there's a, an accountant and stuff. But the property managers, they're actively inputting data of all types into software that is specialized for property management. There's a lot of them out there. There's, you know, Appfolio, there's Yardi, there's uh, ResProp or ResMan. I always get confused as, on that one. Um, Buildium. Um, Help me out, Adam. There's a few more here, but uh, Syndication Pro. Oh, uh, really? I haven't heard about that property management one. Oh, property management. Sorry, I, was th- I thought you were talking about the online stuff. So Buildium yeah. also yeah, Buildium. does and has an online platform. So yeah, so they've got some type of software like that on their side, and they're feeding data in, and then on a regular basis, you know, at any moment, you should have access to that that software. By the way, uh, if you are a an asset manager, you should have your own login. But we do require them to fill our models. Our, we, call, we call them trackers. So they're basically Excel spreadsheets that we create, and they need to populate them. 
So one example, um, and by the way, as an asset manager, we work in a team. So all of the partners, the general partners on the project that are active general partners, we, uh, we have a meeting every week, uh, especially on newer projects. It might become bi-weekly later in the future of the project. But for new projects, we're meeting every week for 30 minutes and we're looking at the data. We'll talk about the, those models later. We're looking at the data and we're deciding what are we gonna focus on this week with the property manager? Because the next meeting is gonna be the property manager with the partners. And we wanna come in to that meeting as a, a unified force. So we're all sending the same message. We're all staying on track. We're not getting off in the weeds. We're not letting them take us off into the weeds. We're saying, this is what we are focused on today and asking whatever questions. So that's important, a really important part is preparing for the property management meeting so that you stay on track. Now, what models do we use? So on a, on a weekly basis, um, every Monday, the property manager has to fill in a tracker that's called the Monday morning report. We didn't name it. This is a, an industry standard. It's known as the MMR. Um, so the Monday, Monday, Monday morning report is a snapshot in time. And that snapshot is, you know, typically as of up to that Monday. And that Monday morning report um, is going to tell you details about occupancy, um, you know, obviously vacancy, economic occupancy, delinquency, um, number of uh, repair and service calls that were put in, a number of NTVs, which is notice to vacates. So how many people are, have given you 60-day notice within those 60 days? How many units are coming up that are going to be free? Um, so that you have an idea of how many units you have to turn. Um, so all of these types of data come in so you know your net exposure. Um, so what's your current occupancy? But your current occupancy is just now. You have to be able to look forward and say, based on the notice to vacates that we have, we have this ex overall um, net exposure. And you want, you, so you understand how many units are coming up that you need to fill. The other critical part of the Monday morning report is the section that's related to um, leads and leases. And that is, um, for us, we've create, we've uh, tailored that. We've you know, made it, customized it for us. So it goes, it's our LASL system. So it, it's, we're tracking all of the different sources. And then within those sources, and those sources are like Google, Craigslist, Facebook Marketplace, Zillow, Zumper, you know, lots of different, you know, advertisements, all those different sources. For each of those, we're tracking the um, leads, which is an incoming lead the applications that were generated, uh, sorry, the um, uh, appointments that were generated from that, the actual shows, the actual people that showed up to their appointment. And then from those shows, how many people booked uh, or in, you know, gave you an application. And then from those applications, how many of those turned into approved leases? So that's the LASL system. And so leads, appointments, shows, applications, leases. And then we, so we look at those and understand, do we have a traffic problem? By looking at all those different things, you can understand each silo. And uh, of course you wanna have a, a healthy number of leases coming in each week to address your, your net exposure that you know that you've got, right? So in order to do that, you've gotta understand your funnels. And we also look at the ratio between each of those. What is the ratio between leads to appointments? Do we have a problem there? Is there appointment? Is there, are we getting lots of leads, but nobody's making appointments? What's the problem there? Well, the problem could be our Google reviews. What if, if somebody's coming in and placing a lead and then they're not, when we call them to make an appointment, because by the way, we have an entire team that's dedicated to um, 
following up on those leads because we generate so many leads. We don't leave it up to the property manager. We have a, an efficiency center within Grow Capitus that generates mega, mega leads, like hundreds and hundreds of leads for our apartment buildings. So many that our property managers can't handle it. So now we have our customer service reps, our CSRs, that are actually following up on those leads within five minutes that they come in. Our CSRs are following up on them. Um, via, some of them are via Facebook Marketplace, or they could be via text or phone and or email and getting them to get to book an, book an appointment, right? So there's all these different layers that are happening. So we're looking at that palette on the Monday morning report to understand um, our marketing. Basically, that's our marketing, right? Because, you know, your, your sale is a lease, right? Absolutely. <clears throat> wow. I wanted to just capture some of what you just shared because I, I definitely, I'll learn more if I repeat it. I hope the listener sure. gets something out of it. But we're talking about um, asset manager. Um, what we look for in, in, in the property management company is a question that I really want to ask you. You talked about with the weekly things that you'll do is really, it's called this MMR, the Monday morning report. You stated that it's- I got one more too after that one. But okay, okay. Yep. Um, we talked about how you're looking at physical occupancy, economic occupancy, mm -hmm. the delinquency, uh, notice to vacate, and other data. You also mentioned the LASOL system, which is- Something that Neil and I discussed yep. one of the times that we met. Um, I feel like I've seen him a lot lately. I know, but he's but um, this LASL is really interesting. And the more I hear about it, the more I want to implement it in our business. So I, mm -hmm. I'm going to steal it from you. I, won't, we're, I will we're always happy, give you credit. <laughs> but we're happy for people to steal stuff from us. We're, we, I mean, that's why we give away so much free information. We, we want to empower the industry. It's best yeah. practices. Who wouldn't want best practices in the industry, especially when those best practices are serving tenants and investors? Yeah. It's good for all of us. It's a win-win. So on the LASO, it's it's five things, um, L-A-S-A-L. Mm -hmm. um, so it's the leads that you're pulling in, mm -hmm. the appointments that you are scheduling for, sh for showings, That's and right. then how many actually show up. Correct. And then the applications that get created after they've viewed, an viewed at the yep. showing. And then the leases that are, are being generated. And then you mentioned that you track, you're like, what's the ratio between the leads and the appointments? Or, um, and something that your partner, Neil, also had mentioned is just that you, how much you focus on the gap between leads and appointments, the gap yeah. between appointments and showings, the gap between showings and applications, the gap between applications and leases. And you're always tracking What's happening in between there to know where are we missing? What needs to improve? One of my favorite things that you stated, and, and I'll always remember this quote coming from you as well, is, um, is we generate leads. Mm -hmm. We don't leave it up to our property management. That's right. Which is awesome because I think there's a lot of, syndicators or just apartment investors that mm -hmm. feel like they need to empower the property management company, feel like they need to stay out of the way, feel like they don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. But if you don't really grab the reins as right. you're taking that horse, um, 
you're going to lose control. You're going to fall off. You're going to get hurt. And so I think it's interesting the philosophy that you have and what's working goes against what some people think is the kosher um, what should I do? Should I, should I micromanage? Am I going to hurt their feelings? And so I want to just play with this. I know you had another uh, thing that you were going to discuss besides the weekly Monday morning report. But before you do, if you wouldn't mind, as I'm, as I'm pulling in this information, I think that there's a, an obvious question that people are asking, like, they're really taking hold of the reins. You know, I wonder if the property management company is, is offended. I wonder if how they're able to do that tactfully. I wonder, you know, if they're destroying relationships or whatever, those are the normal questions that I think somebody would ask, Mm -hmm. but you're obviously doing it well. So how are you on that line, on that fine line that's allowing the property management company to feel empowered and feel like you're a team versus like you're, why are we here? These guys are doing it all anyway or whatever. Do you you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No, I get you. I mean, we're definitely not doing it all. We are forcing, we are using data to make sure they are doing their jobs. Right. So, so um, of course you have to have people skills. Um, so you, no one's, no one's yelling in our meetings. You know, it's, it's always very tactful. Um, but it, you know, there's difficult uh, conversations to be had that uh, sometimes, uh, you know, that, that need to be had. Right. But here's the basics. Numbers don't lie. So when you have data models that are showing clear trends and you're talking about it very um, in a very impersonal way, you're not, you're not, you know, being nasty to anybody here's the numbers. Here's what's happening. Can you explain this to me? How are we going to change this? So they are going to give an expl- explanation for it and say, well, this is, this is a trend that we don't, that we don't want to continue down this way. So how are we, how is this going to change? We don't want like this trend that's happening. So tell, let's talk about what we're going to do about it. So I, I believe the numbers give you the, the material you need to have honest discussions with your property manager and to steer the ship. Love it. Love it. I'm going to have a few more questions. I've already got some queued up in my mind, but I want to allow you to address the, what I cut you off from. Yeah. Cause you it's were, another you model. Said there was another yeah, model. That's a weekly model. That's very, very important also that we haven't talked about yet. And that's the, um, the CapEx, the capital expenditures um, as well as the the money spent to turn units, which could be a classic unit, which doesn't really count as capex. It would go into repairs and maintenance. But here's the thing: we have a, a we call it our capex tracker, and so every every meeting we're looking at the capex tracker. We're seeing um, four. So we don't just say, "Hey, oh, how many units are you working on? Oh, how's it going?" You know, no, no, no numbers. We pull up the capex tracker that they filled out. We can see the unit numbers that are up, what size they are. When they became when they became vacant, so when the lease ended, when they started working on that that um, unit, and if they finished it or not, you know, and then we see the budget. So so what we've done is create they've created not us, it's their numbers. They've created budgets for each type of unit to say if it's a renovation for a one bedroom, it's you know here's all the elements that you know kind of in categories, big chunk categories of of like here's the Chadwell kit, 
here's the resurfacing the, the kitchen, the bathroom and, and, and uh, kitchen, sink, you know, kitchen stuff. So they're kind of big categories and they say, this is going to cost 300. This is going to cost 700. The flooring is going to cost 1800. The appliances are going to cost 1400. So it all adds up to a specific um, budget for that one bedroom renovated unit, correct? So then in the tracker, they're documenting how much they're actually spending. So we're looking at time and we're looking at money. They also tell us in their budget how long it's going to take them. It will take me 12 days to do, to turn a renovated unit, 12 days. Great. That's your number 12 days. Hmm, let's see. Let's, let's stick to that. In the tracker, they have to put in their numbers. So now we see, oh, wait a minute. You said it's going to be $6,000 to turn this unit for this renovated, but you're spending $8,800 and you said it was going to take 12 days, but you're taking 27 days. What is going on? So, and then from, again, it's an Excel sheet. So we're, they're filling in the data. It's easy to fill in because we've created a tracker that they can, you know, just fill in all the data. And then we generate charts and those charts show us trends, right? Those trends are really helpful for the things that I was just talking about with you, which is like keeping our property manager on track and keeping them honest. Now, sometimes they have to come back to us and say, you know what? Our budget was wrong. The cost of materials has gone up. And, and then it's an honest discussion we have on them and say, okay, well, let's adjust the budget. But sometimes it's tightening. That's, that's the way we're able to tighten down on them and say, 27 days is ridiculous. What's going on here? They could come back to us and say, we've got, you know, we lost somebody. Um, we're not able to do it. So then it's, it's a discussion about, well, how are we going to solve this? Because that's a lot of money lost. Should we look at bringing in somebody off, out off site to do this, to do the turns? Um, so you see how the, the data leads to discussions. It's all problem solving. It's people problem solving by looking at real trends. The other thing that's really interesting that comes out of this is we're able to track, because we also track the rent bumps. So what the rent was prior for each unit and what the new rent is, for whether it's a classic or renovated. And we can generate trends on that data to see where we're getting the best bang for our buck. Because we may find, and we have, and in using these trackers, we found like, for example, um, in one of our properties, the one bedrooms were not getting the bang for the buck for the renovated units. They weren't, we weren't getting the rent that we had anticipated we would get for whatever reason. So we made the decision as partners to not renovate any of the one bedroom units. We're only doing classic turns because we were not seeing the bumps. So we pivoted, right? But yeah. we pivoted based on very specific data that was, you know, we had enough data to see. We had like five months of data and we had enough unit turns that we could clearly make see patterns in data and make valid decisions that were good for our investors in this case, right? Because if we don't track this, how are you going to know? You just said, oh, this is what we're going to do in our underwriting and that's our plan. Well, you've got to track it and you've got yeah. to understand what the data is showing you. The data is, is there to give you information to make decisions and to change your business plan as it as is appropriate. Love it. Wow. <clears throat> I feel like we could spend a lot of time on asset management. I feel yeah. like we should spend days on this stuff. Um, let, me, let me ask you a couple of questions and um, see where that takes us. The first okay. one would be really, it's something I've been really thinking about since the beginning of this call 
is you're an asset manager and as, mm-hmm. as an asset manager, you mentioned a whole bunch of different property management companies and there's probably a thousand more mm-hmm. um, others that we have used as well. And in your opinion, as you're going out and finding property management companies, what are you truly looking for? Um, is there a certain amount of doors that they've managed? Is there, uh, is there referrals from certain friends that you trust? Um, mm-hmm. is, I mean, what, is, it, is it how they track data? Is it what types of things they've got online? Really, do you have a criteria that you can give to the listener who's just wondering, you know, what do I need to look for when I'm going to hire an actual property management company. Do you have a website that gives you credibility and captures leads? ApartmentInvestorPro.com can help you get a professional website today. Can you build your investor list without a website? Sure, just like you can cut down a tree with a pocket knife, but why would you when you could use a chainsaw? Typically, building a professional website can be a real pain taking thousands of dollars and months of your time. One syndicator said it took him 10 months on his own. Another had to go to three different companies before getting something usable. ApartmentInvestorPro.com makes it quick and painless. All the designs and content is already created. With 15 years of experience building websites for investors, ApartmentInvestorPro.com gives you peace of mind and lets you focus your time on finding deals and investors. These powerful websites capture contact information from your potential investors. You can even automate the follow-up process. No more letting good investor leads fall through the cracks. Save 10% on your website by going to apartmentinvestorpro.com and using promo code CREATIVE. That link is in today's show notes. So the first thing that we want to do is find, um, narrow down to the the best in class in that market. So we do that by, um, you know, obviously referrals, right? But you can look across, um, you can look across various things. If you have CoStar, you can use, you can mine CoStar to find the, you know, the largest apartments and find out who the property managers are. Um, so you want to basically find out who are the best property managers in the area. Apartments.com, I don't think they have that information on there, although it is owned by CoStar. Um, you can talk to brokers, um, you can talk to various people and get names. And soon you're going to start hearing the same names over and over. And so you narrow it down to three. And then you're going to go after those three and you're going to you know, interview them in detail. We have a, a list of questions. It's, I think it's 70 questions. It's a 90 minute interview um, that, we, that we go through. Um, so of course I can't like go over all those questions here because it's a shitload of questions. But um, we are very, very... Uh, dedicated to technology, as is apparent. So it's a very big deal for us that um, our property manager, that, they're, that that company as a whole is very tech savvy. It's critical that they're tech savvy for us. Uh, we also want them to be open to um, the fact that we are using the Grow Capitus Efficiency Center and we will be plugging in to their um, software and, and interacting with them. We don't want people that would be resistant to that. Um, we also have our property manager. We, tr- we create property management tasks, by the way, um, on our Asana is the, is the tool we use. And there's one of them out there. And so we use it internally, but we also assign tasks to our property managers and we track those tasks and they have to do them. So we want people that are open to our systems. If they came back to us and said, no, we've got our own Monday morning report 
and we've got our own internal property management system, our, our pro project management system, and we don't want to use yours. Sorry, next. It's not going to work for us because yeah. we've got our own systems and processes. Um, so we do our best to, to cultivate. Yes, we're looking for, for uh, people that are running similar types of assets in terms of size as well as class so that the, the, the resident that is living in your community, they're used to that. If you, you don't want to mismatch like a property manager that's used to B communities and now you're taking them to a C community and they have no idea how to deal with that devilish D, delinquency. Delinquency is a huge issue and your, your property manager needs to be very, very savvy with delinquency if you are uh, managing an asset or if owning an asset that uh, has delinquency as a risk. And anyone in a C area does, but some, some areas have more risk than others for delinquency. And you, by knowing your market, you should know what your risk is you know, for that. But that's a big deal. If, you're more, if your property manager can't handle bringing in the dollars, that's their job, bring in the dollars. And if they're unable to do that, then you need to get a new property manager. So we're also not shy about transitioning, changing property managers. So if it's not a good fit, then we've got all the evidence. They're not doing the tasks. They're not filling in the data. They're not, you know, so it's not just like, oh, I don't like that, that woman that sits in the front office. No, no, no. It's not like that. Well, I, I can get along with anybody. It's all, it comes down to the processes and are they doing the job? And we, we have, we'll have clear evidence that the job's not getting done, right? Because, you know, that, because of all the models that we use. So we will change property managers in a heartbeat. So I have one last question for you is just a little bit about what kind of you'll do monthly. Like, what are you looking at monthly? Fantastic question. Because we've talked about the weekly stuff, but you, on a monthly basis, you are getting the monthly financials as a roll-up from your property manager. So you have to have a committed date that they're going to deliver those every, every month. And then what we're doing is not just, you know, like getting the financials and saying, thanks. We go through a whole deep dive. And one of our deep dives is the profit and loss, the budget versus actual. So they create, you, your property manager creates a budget. They say, here's our budget. We say, great, thank you very much. Now on a monthly basis, we're going back and we're looking at budget versus actual line by line and, and documenting what the variance is. The variance could be a negative variance, which, you know, it's like, uh, you know, they're, they're underspending in that category. Great. Why are, what's happening there? Can we do more of that? Or they could be going over budget and we need to understand what's going on there. So all those big bucket lines get, get, get variances and we, we go through each one. And so that's very important to understand your budget versus actual. If you lose track of your budget versus actual, you're going to lose track of your net operating income, which is the most important line item of your profit and loss as your NOI, right? Now, one more thing that we do, which I think is a differentiator for Grow Capitus, is we bring in... Um, we call her our CFO, but she, she uh, is Loretta. So Loretta comes into our financial meetings. She um, uh, basically reads through all the financials. She gets, gets them beforehand. And she is just, she just will shred the property manager if they deserve it to, to be like, what's going on here? Why is this here? I need an extra report that explains all the transactions going on here because this doesn't look right. Uh, she, uh, so she's just like our tiger that comes in. Now we have properties with that know um, only Angel Loretta because they are wonderful. Mm -hmm. Those property managers, they are just, their, their profit and loss statements just sing. 
you know, zero delinquency for 12 months in a row. I mean, they are just running the property marvelously. And then there's other ones that need, that, that just need to be taken to the shed. And said, so, and that's, you know, for your, and so we don't know, I'm not a, I'm not that type of an expert with a profit and loss statement. Are you? I mean, so we need somebody that can give a financial spanking if it's due. But she's also cultivates knowledge, which I love about Loretta. So she is an educator about financials and why, why this is important and, and why we would want to move it here versus there because of the new tax law and what's going to happen with your CPA. If we don't address this now, this is going to come, become a big deal later. So, so she educates us all in that same process. I love being in the meetings uh, when Loretta's there. But it's a service to our investors because what her job is, is to find financial mischief. And if there's financial mischief, if somebody's, you know, goosing something in the repairs and maintenance or adding an extra salaried employee on there that doesn't exist, I guarantee you Loretta's going to find it. Uh, it's not something that I know how to read the financials and find, but Loretta, she's going to find it. I love it. Thank you for going into that. And I know that the listener can find out more information and learn more about asset management from what you and Neil are sharing on Multifamily U. So they can find Multifamily U. They can also find Grow Capitus. That's G-R-O Capitus um, right. dot com, right? That's correct. So what, what's the single best way for the listener to find you, Anna? Um, I would say multifamilyu.com. Oh, I, I host a lot of webinars there, so that's super easy. Love Come it. to multifamilyu.com, connect with us. I also teach underwriting and asset management at the boot camps. So uh, we're live in Atlanta in March, March 6th through 8th. If you want to come hang out with Neil and I and learn how to be an active asset manager and syndicator. Thank you so much for coming on the show. You added a ton of value. And Anna, I'm going to have you back on. I want to dive even deeper into the asset management and how you raised $35 million oh, yeah. just in 2019. It's amazing what you're doing. Uh, thank you for being on the show. I'm going to let you go. But until next time, my friend, think outside the box. <laughs> 